Welcome, everyone, to the third episode, I think. Or no, this is episode two. This is episode two. We started on zero. That's, started a, little, on that's zero. a little confusing. I don't yep. know if that was the right decision or not, but whatever. So, welcome to episode two of Apogee Ape. And we have a few things to talk about with uh, the quarantine and how the, those decisions are going to affect us later down the road. Uh, we're not going to talk about good or bad about those decisions. We're just going to lay out kind of the scenario and what we believe uh, those conversa- what we believe that can lead into in the future and what we need to prepare for because of those decisions. So uh, Eric, I want to talk about kind of what your, your thoughts are and what Oregon's governor Kate Brown said tonight. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk that happens tonight and um, it, it really makes me cautious we are implementing so many things so fast um, without planning for them. You know, we've closed our schools for a month and a half and we don't know how we're going to make that time up. We have no plan. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a school board member. I don't speak for the school, but I am a school board member. So I, I get a lot of emails talking about, we're still figuring this out. Well, we need to figure this out quick. You know, parents need to know, you know, we make school calendars one to two to three years out. And we don't know what is going on with that. You know, I'm I'm a former employee at Oregon Emergency Management and Joint Operations Center, and I'm very disappointed. We do, and I worked there for seven years. I'm very disappointed because they have pandemic influenza plans. They have people. That's all they do is they write these plans. They go to FEMA conferences. They fly all over the U.S. Sometimes the world to write these plans, and we exercise them. We have giant exercises with hundreds of people involved. And so today I was like, why, why aren't we using the plan that has been written for this? And so I went on Google and I found, uh, Oregon.gov, uh, under, um, Oregon emergency management, they have a little link and I've got it right here on my iPad and I'll try to turn it around. So there's a little ghetto. So it's right there and I'm going to click on the link. It's the first one that comes up. And what does it say? The page is not found. So they've either pulled it down since all this started or something catastrophic has happened. Um, but I'm very disappointed we are, we're closing businesses. We're telling businesses, you have to stop your business. People are losing their livelihood. They're going to lose their houses. Uh, we already have a huge homeless uh, epidemic in Oregon. And now we are just cascading on top of it because we're making these decisions without a plan. We've known since our last podcast that Oregon was going to get on lockdown. We were going to, we were going to go there, you know, we're just following California and Washington um, because their, their cases are worse than ours. And we, I guess we weren't thinking of what the, what the outcomes were. I suppose. Well, sometimes too, I don't, you know, I don't know if they didn't, aren't considering outcomes or if they're just, we're really just trying to do their best. I believe everybody's an individual. Nobody's lived through this. So, you know, we really don't know how how to handle this except for the fact that we can take we can learn from history about what what has happened in the past. And I am really disappointed that there is no plan of action from Oregon when you click on the plan and when when you click on the plan, there is no plan in the state of Oregon for what to do right now. Right? But why can't we do reasonable things immediately to prevent these things? If we go back in time, the very first time any part of Europe touched North America, nine out of ten of North Americans, a.k.a. the Indians, 
all died. All of them. Mm-hmm. Nine out of ten were completely wiped out. And that's one of the reasons why there were so many buffalo in the United States later on, because all the people that hunted them were dead. Yeah. From disease. Sure. And then we've had all these other pandemics. We've seen this time with the Spanish flu and everything else, uh, SARS in the early 2000s. Like, why, when these things start to pop up and we know that they're going to spread, can't we say, okay, everybody steps on a bleach mat and gets your hands and sanitizer before you enter the business? And we did that. I did that in 2002 when hoof and mouth was going on in Europe. Before you went into a restaurant, before you went into a hotel, before you got on a tour bus, you had to step on a bleach mat before you went into anywhere. And you had to wash your hands or sanitize them before you went into anywhere. And we, I guess we just got out of cycle from that. But you're 100% right on when the conquistadors would come over to um, Central America or North America and South America, they didn't have to fight them very hard. They would integrate for a little bit. They would die from smallpox. They would die from typhoid. They would die from all those things. And then the conquistadors would go in and loot. You know, that, so when we saw this happening globally, we should have said, oh, whoa, whoa, hey, you don't get to come in. You know, sorry. We have places where we could have stashed people that were susceptible. You know, I'm really disappointed on the response side of it. It's hard to, uh, you know, while the response might not be there that we want to, I do think we have some sort of a response that we will see. So the rational thing to do and to think is where is everything going? And we, we don't when we will not have a spike for this, the hospital's projecting in their models anyways, from what I understand, mid to late April possibly is the spike. So we're in the storm for a while. So I'm not saying good or bad. You know, they could have let it run the healthcare system over and we'd have a huge spike, a much higher mortality rate, and then we would kind of start to get over it and put the pieces back together after that. Um, this way, you know, we save some lives and we drag down the economy and we likely send ourselves into a depression, uh, which one's right or wrong. I'm not here to debate. Nonetheless, it looks like we're probably heading towards the depression one. Um, I mean, where every session is inevitable where we're in a recession already. Like it just, the world flipped a switch. It's different now. It's not the same. Everybody's out of a job all of a sudden, and the quarantines keep getting implemented step by step by step. This is a step by step process. First, okay, let's start to have discussions about closing borders and everything uh, in between. Oh, let's start to limit group sizes down to 250, and then let's really get to have an aggressive plan of. Well, let's cut the group sizes to 250, to 100, 250, 225. Oh, CDC says group limitings of 10. Oh, all right. Well, now let's practice social distancing. Okay, I, we never heard that term before. So what, what exactly does that mean? We haven't, what, are, what are the parameters that's defined in that? Now we're hearing another term, which is shelter in place. But it's not. It's not shelter in place because you don't want to be confused with California's shelter in place. That is, like, if an earthquake happens, you're supposed to find shelter and, and stay there um, where they haven't picked a term yet what they want to use. They've only said, we don't want to use shelter in place. Um, so, I mean, they want, yeah. you, they want you to stay where you're safe, warm, and dry. Yeah. Where we're safe, warm, and dry. But what happens when we are not allowed to walk on the street and somebody does? 
And that's what I'm really confused about because they just had, um, you know, the mayor of Portland talking on TV about you can still walk your dog. You can still go to the park, but you have to keep your distance. You can still go hiking. And then in about a minute, 45 seconds later, he said, well, we're going to, it's going to be very close. They haven't written the plan yet. They only have ideas. And he said, it's going to be very close to California. Well, California, you're not allowed to walk your dog. You're not allowed to go hiking. I heard a story today from a very reliable source that they got a $400 ticket for hiking yesterday. And and so I, I'm very cautious of what is coming down the pipe right now. Yeah, me too. I so, and it, and it changes every day, so we are going to take it as it comes, and we'll just kind of digest and try to do the best that we can every single step of the way, and whatever that means, we'll, we don't know, but some things that we need to really start planning on is, one, no school. So these are a couple things that I think we're going we're gonna to hit on now is, we'll probably leave this as one, and then I think we'll break these down into segments of the other things that we want to talk about. So the, the first one is education right let's be honest kids aren't going back to school this year they're not going to go back to the school to the fall so what do they need to learn now so we need to get into some community organizations have our teachers that have nothing to do right now start to put together some online curriculum let's learn about earth science let's learn about all of these things let's be realistic there might be a, a drop in the food supply chain let's teach our kids some actual earth science let's plant some seeds let's get their hands in the dirt and understand how worms compost these things and how it all works like we are a species that's supposed to be hands-on digging in the dirt and doing these things let's start doing these things let's use this as an opportunity to teach our kids in a different way and i and i think school districts are doing on that track i know there's a lot of school districts out there that are providing um, wireless hotspots for people that do not have internet and then um, like a Chromebook to go with it. And so we're getting there. The problem is, is the state has a lot of mandates for um, special education. So that's when we start running into problems with um, a lot of it uh, from what I've seen coming down is with a special education because that is definitely a more hands-on but if we have to be social distancing, we're not supposed to be around anyone but our immediate family. Um, so yeah. That, yeah, so I mean, there's still a lot of quirks to work out, but I do see some online programs starting to be developed. But it also kind of disappoints me that, you know, nobody's a subject matter expert in that already. It, it, you know, it, to me, it seems like we should already have that backup plan. I mean, you as a business owner, you have a backup plan. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah. And we always got to be flexible too yes. with the plan because it's changing all the time. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're just trying to take everything as it comes uh, every day, every day. Uh, but, you know, that education one, I think, kind of leads into the next thing that we want to get into is probably uh, yeah, everybody's sharing. Everybody needs to start to kind of give into the sharing of, I think, giving back to the community in the sense of, everybody's going to be out of work here real soon if they're not already. So what can we do with parents that can work a little bit with sharing some childcare where uh, there's kids on the same block, whether it's not, you know, if you're all quarantined in there together, maybe somebody can go to work that has to or, or limit trips that way. So if they have, you know, young kids, somebody can get out of the house to take care of a parent to start maybe organizing some of those some of those things or, re or resource drop-offs. I think those are some things that we'll probably... And I think we've in. just became a society where 
uh, you know, we were so just dependent on ourselves that we really could take care of ourselves. But I, you know, it's sad to see an apartment complex that doesn't have a community garden. You know, I can think of some like HOAs and some neighborhoods that have a community garden, but I mean, I've never seen a community garden in a local apartment complex here. You know, that could definitely be a way to start teaching photosynthesis and growing and, you know, how you have to refrigerate an apple seed for it to go into season and then come out. Yeah, so there, there, there's a lot of learning opportunities that I think Absolutely. if you just made those micro villages, like we've talked about before, those yeah. micro villages can really take care of themselves for a, for a lot, a large majority. For sure. So that's one of the other things that one of my little side nerd projects is how much space would we really need for the average size family or a family of six per se? Mm -hmm. Uh, How much space would that occupy by the time they had like a garden and solar panels, whatever that would entail to be completely self-sufficient off the grid, do whatever they need to do in the gardening? I'm sure climate by climate it would mm-hmm. be different in Oregon than Arizona for sure but what would that entail how much water would it does everything need how would you know if you grow fish with the hydroponics how what would that self-sustaining model looks like and how can we piece that together maybe this is the time to kind of re-examine those things so if we have this disruption in the food supply we have these micro communities that are actually self-sufficient in groups of whether it was a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand did would matter but at least we would have something that, hey, there's a pandemic that we could go, boom, close the door, and these 100,000 of people are at least safe and have all the resources that they actually need. We should maybe start to look at some of these long-term things because it doesn't look like there's actually going to be less people on the planet. So how can we start having the conversation of what's necessary, what's needed, and what is what's too much well i think a lot of it comes back to like zoning and city planning um when we look at density you know everybody wants uh affordable housing right now with high density and unfortunately when you rent an apartment anymore you get one parking space for that entire family and i mean as you know you know you can have two or three cars at an apartment but you get one space and so everything is just so compact now you know there's no it's very rare to have a park. Um, sometimes you have a little clubhouse that you can do laundry in, but there's no uh, garden space. There's no park. There's there's not even a spot to park your car, let alone um, evolve as a micro community. Right. So you know that's one where we could probably find some people who are definitely smarter than us that know. There's somebody out there that knows those answers. How much food you need to grow? How much? those people eat i have no idea Mm -hmm. so that's something we'll have to look at uh the other thing that we wanted to roll into is i think this is a good time for businesses to start learning other businesses that could maybe co-mingle and share resources that way whether you're a sign shop that could use screen printing with t-shirts or you're an insurance company that you know could work with a rental company maybe you start having those conversations with those people that you probably know already about if everybody's having a hard time are there ways that you can cut overhead by sharing resources or office space or computer management systems uh whatever whatever that could be this might be a good time to to kind of look into that and if you 
are a business person and you're listening, you probably have thought about some of those ideas already more than likely. <laughs> I think some people are a little scared. Like you have five businesses. I mean, it's nice because all, you know, they all fall under an umbrella, sure. but they're like five or seven separate entities. I mean, they have their own license and they have their own um, tax ID and everything. Um, so, but I like yours because it's symbiotic, but you're also able one element of your business can operate independently. Yeah. You know, they're not reliable on each other, um, but they all can work together. So that's a really cool thing that you've developed in the last 13, 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a work in progress. And I think this might be one of those times where it's helping me weather the storm a little bit too, because mm-hmm. now that we have you know, the flower shop and the venue and you know the photo booth, the DJ side, and everything else that we're doing with photos and video. So this is a good time to really use even this studio for our business as well, for our media and our content production. So really, just use all the resources that we have. Uh, all this studio I can use to sell DJ stuff. I can use it to sell flowers, and but I could use it to sell insurance or something too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How could any other business? really start to take a look at how we can share resources and really help each other out because hard times are coming. I think with the average business is three weeks out usually from having to like send people out the door and maybe sometimes close the doors forever. It's not a long time. Well, it's not I, long. Even if, even if we started a week and a half from now, like if everything returned to normal, you know, we have a, a restaurant in Albany and I was talking to the GM two days ago and she had to lay off 60 people. How many of those 60 people do you think are going to come back? 50%, 40%, you know, maybe but 60. It depends but on how long it takes. Yeah, for it the really does. But I mean, people people like myself really take our job personally. And if I got laid off, I would just I'd be really devastated and I'd immediately start looking for another job. I'm not going to sit around and wait for that job to ever come back. Uh, so, you know, layoffs can be detrimental to a business. Uh, during the time of layoff and trying to rehire. Well, then you lose your talent. Mm-hmm. They've gone on and they found something else too. So I don't know that we have an easy way out of this. At at this time, I'm not sure that it gets easier for those businesses. So I think that it's time for them to have those conversations and have some ideas and some people to talk to that I think that would be uh, have some really good insight on how yeah. all, how all of that could work too. And you know, I'm not always for more government regulation, but we just watched a video from a gentleman. Uh, he owns uh, a lot of fitness centers and he has over 4,000 employees that he just laid off. Yeah, yeah. 4,000 employees that he laid off. And the interesting thing to me is he asked the president, like, hey, we need to tear off the Band-Aid. We either need to let people open again and practice safer um, community social distancing and washing and better hygiene. So we either need to do that or everything needs to shut down because just going county to county or state by state is not working. Everything yep. needs to stop. Give it that 15-day break. And, and your employee, a lot of employees can work at home and catch up and get ahead. You know, and then the day we come back, it's just bam, the economy is just going to erupt that day. But doing the state by state thing is not going to work. How many Oregonians are going to cross into California and Nevadans and New Mexicans? And, and there's so many people that are going to go into California, and California is trying to take care of itself right now. 
Yeah. And they're on lockdown and they're one tenth or something like that of everybody in America lives in California. Yeah. California is expected to have 66% of their citizens are expected to uh, contract the coronavirus and one in 10 Americans live in California. And that's, that's an astounding numbers right there. Yeah. So suffice to say, the economy is taking some sort of a hit. Mm -hmm. So let's start planning on, you know, really discussing what some of the long-term solutions uh, might be to how to ease some of those pain just on an interpersonal level. And so, so we'll get there. One thing that I really do want to talk about too, and that I wanted to say for last before we wrap this up is hazard pay for emergency services and nurses right now too, because they're wearing one gown and seeing everybody. Mm -hmm. It's gross. It is. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the supply and demand right now is so great um, that we're just trying to use best practices. Yeah. You know, you're going from policy to best practices, unfortunately, and um, that's probably not always the best scenario, but it's kind of where we're at. Everybody's doing the best they can. Yeah. Um, if these emergency workers are not being provided for, they don't have their personal protective equipment. They're not being paid extra. They start getting sick. Why are they showing up to work? Well, I, I think Why, well, I, no, I but mean, I think really. they're. I think that we're at the point now where employers. I already know nursing homes are doing this. All the hospitals are doing it. That they're taking temperatures when you walk in the door. They have a trained Salem nurse. Salem Hospital staff. is doing that now. They're taking yeah. everybody's temperatures. So imagine a scenario though where. You work in the hospital, you have your lunch in your car, you go out, you come back in, your temperature, you just drank a hot cup of coffee, your temperature is 100, you have patients inside, you can't get back in the building. But that's where you got to use best practices and like, hey, you know, I just went through this circumstance, you know, give me 15 minutes to sit out on the steps and just sit on my phone and then we'll just retake it again. And so those are best practices and policies yeah. that... Um, we're all smart, intelligent adults. We need to be able to figure those things out. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> but you have people that um, you know sometimes. that are afraid of using their sick leave or their vacation yeah. time, and they're gonna come to work even if they know they have a fever. So, um, doing those best policies of checking temperatures, and honestly, like almost everybody's gonna have to start doing that. The restaurant industry is gonna have to start doing that. You know, there's a lot of industries. That, I'm sorry, you might have to get a little health screen before you can start your shift. That's very true. It has always been a thing with the, the, with the service industry, especially restaurant workers, where there isn't a plan. You, whatever you take home when tips that night, is that that's what you make. And if you've got rent to pay, you need to show up to work that night. Mm -hmm. So if you're not feeling well, you show up to work. And you're expected to show up to work. Mm-hmm. And there's not a good way out of it either, though, for the employer, because even they have to schedule two weeks out. And if there's a change in the demand and they don't need you, they still have to pay you or pay a fine. There's a lot of these weird little laws that don't make things easier. But again, it's a give and take system. And this whole lopsidedness of however things have been working, which is clearly <laughs> clearly clearly wrong is broken well and i and i think you know i i personally i just work for the one of the greatest companies in the world uh it's the best company i've ever worked for for my life in my life um 
And they're about the employees. You know, I had a, a colonel in the Air Force that was one of my commanders, and he would always say, um, people first, mission always. And, and this company does that. I mean, to to the mark, they just knock it out of the park. But we have a lot of employers that are actually taking advantage of this right now. They're a little slow, and they're just they're cutting hours or they're um, sending people home or laying them off when they don't really need to be doing that yet. Um, we need to do better about taking care of our own employees. Yes, a lot of employees are replaceable, you know, at the snap of a finger, you can have them replaced, but we need to do better about taking care of our employees, taking care of our businesses. And that means, you know, setting up workstations for your employees if they can work from home. You know, why lose that revenue that that employee is going to create for you if they can just do it at home and be safe, warm and dry? Absolutely, for sure. So, you know, definitely if you can work online, at home, do so, and I—I I mean, everybody is. I, How cool would it be if you had a hologram that you could send to a wedding, like set up your everything, put your little puck down, and then just do it from home? You know, I think that'd be kind of cool. It'd still be boring. <laughs> yeah, there's nobody, there's nobody to actually talk to. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you, you know, I think you know, I still want to go back to the healthcare workers themselves Mm -hmm. and even I'll extend it to the grocery service people right Mm -hmm. now, because without them, like like we're all screwed. We really are screwed. If they all start getting sick or they decide, screw this, it's not worth it anymore. Like there's going to be, how do we, there's no answer to that. Well, there's, there's things that the employer can do to make it easier for that employee though. You know, they can set up a daycare at their, employment, yeah. you know, and where are you checking to make sure there's no temperatures coming in the daycare, you know, no super runny noses or anything. Um, so that's going to be a huge, I think that's probably one of the main concerns for, you know, especially you and me as parents that, you know, what am I going to do with my kid during the day? So if your work is willing, you know, most hospitals are pretty large organizations, yeah. you know, set up that daycare, you know, have the background certified people in there. Um, but set that up, you know, do that one thing for your employee. It might not be the the best thing for their child to be at daycare all day, but it, it, it keeps the ball rolling, you know, yeah. so that's one thing they can really, really do. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, well, I think we'll probably wrap that up for this one. Yeah. So this, uh, you know. It is a little scary, um, so. you know, with everything that's coming down because, I am worried about a lot of mom and pop businesses and some yeah. even the larger. Uh, so I'm a little fired up about that, but please write into us, uh, Facebook message, uh, Instagram DM. We, we want to hear what you guys think. Um, definitely easy to contact us. Uh, we're not jerks. Just write to us and we'll, uh, respond back to you. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, I think we're streaming on Facebook and we're streaming on Instagram TV. And then there's a high def 4k ultra, Uh, version that will be published later yep so all right well we will see you later thank you